0: The real turning point was, I was really focused on the nine to five, but I wasn't worried about the five to nine. And I think a lot of people think that you can work for a while and then just check out and then the rest of your life just kind of fits in. But it's, it's an unbalanced lifestyle.
1: Welcome to another episode of High Fury Presents. In this episode, I talked to Ryan Fellman, aka Path to Manliness. Ryan was coasting through life and focusing on his nine to five, thinking his five to nine would take off. Nothing was further from the truth, and that's when he realized he had to turn his life around. He started a journey to improving his life, went to the gym, picked up writing, and now he's amassed a following of over 46,000 followers on Twitter. In this episode, you'll learn how to get your life back on track and how to create an interesting 5 to 9. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah. So Ryan, tell me, how did you land up on Twitter and how did you start, I guess, your own path to manliness? How did that happen?
0: So it's actually been a little while now. So I joined Twitter in, I think it was June of 2018 with the uh, Path to Manliness account. And it wasn't my first account, but it was my first time taking Twitter a little more seriously. So for years, I had had some other account where I didn't really write much. I would just kind of follow people like how most people use Twitter, right? Yeah. And then I went through a divorce, and my life kind of hit a point where I had to rethink a lot of things. So hmm. it wasn't my fault that I went through the divorce, really. It was <laughs> it was the, the ex-wife. She had some issues. But at the same time, I realized that I had some stuff I needed to work through. So I had allowed myself to gain some weight. I became kind of like that boring guy that everybody kind of makes fun of in our corner of Twitter, right? So I would sit around watching football all weekend. I played fantasy football. I ate chicken wings and drank beer all the time.
1: Very stereotypical.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was actually kind of successful. I had a pretty good life. I made decent money. Life was good by every standard that I kind of thought mattered, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't really proud of the way my life was going, so I started some changes, and um, I guess this was before I got onto Twitter, but I I started getting my life back in order with um, spending a lot more time at the gym.
1: I want to talk about that, because uh, because I hear that a lot, you know, if you want to get your life back on track, go to the gym.
0: Why is that? Yeah, it was the first thing that really started to change it, so I'd worked out before. It wasn't something that I just picked up. You know, I'd been going to the gym since I was probably in fifth grade. But I didn't take it too seriously. I probably didn't really push myself as much as I used to. So while I was going through this divorce, I was having a lot of issues where I was just upset with the process of it. And it just it wears on a man. So my outlet at the time was going to the gym. And the reason why this really helps a lot is because it helps you in an obvious way physically. It gets you in better shape. You lose some weight. You get muscles and you feel better about yourself. You look better. But it it does a lot more than that. It builds your confidence. And as you start getting in better shape, people start noticing it. People will treat you differently. But then there's like the whole mentality that shifts. You go from seeing, you know, you look at life as, you know, I've got this challenge I've got to get through. And and the gym just kind of puts you in this mindset where it's like, all I got to do is stick with this consistently and I'm going to get results a lot of guys want to join the gym and they work out for, you know, the first month of January and it's January 19th. So right around now is when people <laughs> start slacking off, right?
1: After the blue Monday.
0: Yeah. A lot of people aren't going to the gym as much as they used to, but because of COVID, but typically this time in January, people are like, like, all right, you know, I'll, I'm going to skip today because it's cold. I'm, I worked out pretty good last week and then tomorrow they skip again. And all of a sudden they're slacking off. But if you can stick with it for like six weeks to eight weeks or so, you start seeing the results, you start getting more tone, you start lifting heavier weights, and that mindset translates to other things. So, you know, let's say you decide you wanted to learn how to play a musical instrument. It's the same deal. The first few weeks are brutal. You have no clue what you're doing. And then somewhere around that six week mark, all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, I think I can actually play a song now. Holy cow. Oh. I can play smoke on the water. <laughs> I'm a rock star. <laughs> yeah,
1: nice. yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had I had the same kind of experience with Twitter. You know, at first I was like, I don't know if I get this thing. I, I'd read these other people that I thought were doing a really interesting job, sharing a lot of interesting insights. And I didn't know whether I could figure out how to use Twitter like that either. But after a few weeks, all of a sudden it starts kind of clicking, so you, all these skills, you've been working on start building up and you finally start seeing these results. And You know, most guys, just like the gym, they quit before they hit that point.
1: So I I guess there are two points if you want to get in shape. It's the first one is how do you get in the door of the gym? And the second one is how do you keep going?
0: Okay. So how to get in the door of the gym. And it doesn't have to be the gym. I know (laughs) I hear so many people like, hey, I can't go to the gym. My gym's closed. I'm like, listen, man, I say hit the gym all the time, but it's kind of just the same. You know, half the time I work out of my house, if you have zero equipment, you can still workout there's something called the convict bodybuilders guide or something like that or convict bodybuilding or conditioning or something i forget exactly what it's called but you can look this up online and it's all sorts of things that you do without any equipment so it's like push-ups you can grab a chair or something and do tricep dips you can do sit-ups crunches all sorts of things like that and Actually, I think that's a great way to get started because huh. a lot of people don't want to go to the gym and feel awkward or feel out of shape. You know, Maybe you're 100 pounds overweight and you're embarrassed because you think people are going to be laughing at you, which they won't, but I get it. So I think one thing that can help some of those guys is to work out at home, get a little more comfortable, get in the swing of things, and then you can go to the gym.
1: Hmm. It's funny because I have the exact opposite. I started, I don't know, about three, four months ago, went to the gym, but now we're on lockdown. So the gyms are closed and I literally, you know, I did a couple of pull-ups and push-ups at home, but that was it. So how can a guy like me get started at home again?
0: Get back into it. It's tough. So I was kind of doing the same thing. I've been working at home for a long time, but this year, this last year has worn on everybody mentally. I think everyone's struggling. So, you know, first thing I do is just kind of forgive yourself. It's something that we're not used to yet. So if you've kind of gotten off the horse. This is the perfect time to get back on it. One thing that's helped me a lot, sometimes I'll start working out and I'll do some push-ups or whatever. And then between my sets, I'll get distracted. I'll start walking around the house cleaning things or I'll start playing on my phone for a second too long. And one thing that's been helping me lately is I've I've been going on on YouTube and looking up different exercises on there. You know, there's like these 20 minute videos you can watch of somebody working out and it keeps you one, it helps you if you don't know the kind of stuff to do. And two, it helps you by sticking with an actual time. So instead of taking a break that's a little too long and getting distracted, it, it keeps you on a, on a fast paced workout. And, you know, that could be the trick. You got to keep that heart rate up all the time. The other thing you can use a timer on your phone, you know, and there's there's apps for that, too. But where, you know, maybe take a, a 30 second break, then you work out 30 second break and then you work out.
1: That's good one. I like that. I should do that. Cool. And so you were already uh, on Twitter before your uh, Path of account. What triggered you again to you know create the account and share your knowledge about this?
0: Yeah. So when I was going through this divorce, I was kind of becoming an emotional wreck. I was just getting frustrated with everything. I didn't have a proper outlet. I would work out, but... I couldn't work out every time I got upset because it was happening too much. Right. So if I worked out in the morning and then something happened later on, I couldn't go back to the gym. Like, so my lawyer's assistant, I was talking to her and she could tell that I was getting frustrated and she gave me some, some free advice. She told me to start writing in a journal and before I get anything out, she goes, I I know this probably doesn't sound like something that will work, but trust me just give it a shot a lot of men have done this and it's really helped them and and she was right in my head i was thinking like why would i write this sounds like something like a little girl would do but i was you know dealing with something that i never really dealt with before and i I was willing to try it so i bought one of the little moleskin notebooks and i just started writing every day so kind of like how you know if you're having a bad day at work or something and you want to write that angry email at that coworker? <laughs> it It became like that. So It's all
1: that except. The, <laughs> yeah. That <button. laughs>
0: yeah, right. Yeah. So, you know, instead of writing an angry email or making an angry phone call, I would just write out my thoughts on a piece of paper and I would look at it and I'd be like, wow, that's that's some angry shit. But uh, getting it out there was kind of all I needed. It wasn't like I needed to send it. It just it feels good to write that email sometimes, you know, and. I think that helps with a lot of people. You don't actually want to send the email. You just want to get those words out there. And whether it's writing on a Microsoft Word document, putting it down on a notebook, whatever, that helps. So I went through an entire notebook quickly. I wrote through an entire notebook, and um, it got less angry as it went on because it eventually kind of just became this habit where I was writing. But I think the important thing is it wasn't good. And a lot of people ask me, like, how do you start writing? I've been writing and I don't think I'm writing very good. I don't think the words that are coming out are useful. I don't think they're helpful. Yeah, you're you're probably right. And that's kind of the point. You're supposed to get all the bad words out first. You got to like work through your process. And uh, the neat thing about that notebook is like the beginning of it's just, just random chaotic thoughts. It it was disorganized. Didn't get to the end. It's starting to flow better. It's starting to make more sense. Sometimes it was like less about just getting this anger out and more of like a process. You could see that there was actually a point that I was reaching and all these thoughts and um,
1: structuring your mind.
0: Yeah. And then I had thought back to a lot of times in my twenties where I was frustrated with different things and I looked for answers online, different things. Some of it's like, how do you, you know, make extra money online? How do you meet like the right kind of girls. Like all these questions that guys are asking in their twenties and there's all sorts of resources, but I never found anything that was like truly perfect. Like there's plenty of great ones out there, but overall I was like really lost through a lot of my twenties and I just, no one told me like the right path to go that would make me more fulfilled. And one of the things I ran into a lot was people would say, Hey, don't worry. Your life doesn't even start until you hit your thirties or you know, as you get older, you'll find that you can start building a career better. And it's like the worst advice anyone can ever give you. It's such bad advice.
1: It's like everything's going to change when you turn one year older, which is yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of people, maybe that worked for them, you know, maybe back when like the boomers were growing up, they did just kind of pay their dues. They worked for 10 years and then eventually like, oh, you know, I guess it's time for you to get your gold watch and uh, become a manager. That's not how the world works anymore. You have to show results. You have to do something. So fortunately, I figured that out reasonably early. I started trying to build up all these skill sets. I started to get myself back in shape. The real turning point was I was really focused on the nine to five, but I wasn't worried about the five to nine. And I think a lot of people think that you can work for a while and then just check out and then the rest of your life just kind of fits in. But it's it's an unbalanced lifestyle. Yeah. And I didn't realize how much going to the gym, having you know some kind of an interesting hobby, how much that stuff plays into the rest of your life. I mean, it's it's huge. And these people that spend all their energy, all their effort, trying to make their careers and nothing else. I mean, they're. I think those are the kind of people that are about to lose it if they lose their job, their entire identity, or even if their job just isn't working right for them. You know, it's all they've built themselves up to. That's everything that they are. And They've got nothing else going for them. And their home was probably a wreck, then, right?
1: Most definitely. <laughs> and so you start writing in your notebook. The start was pretty chaotic, but at the end, you really saw like there was a difference. And then when did you decide, hey, I'm going to also share this on, on Twitter?
0: Yeah. So You know, like I said, I voiced my frustrations with like the online world. I wasn't really thinking that guys had a good outlet for or um, a good source of information and resources. So I thought it'd be kind of neat to just start writing on my own. And Path to Mainlandist wasn't my first website. I had something else where I kind of, I didn't even intend for it to become something that people really read. I just wanted to write online, learn how the whole blogging thing works and see how using Twitter to send traffic to the site would work. So I did that. And the first two days, no big deal. Like three people read it or whatever. Then the third day, I kind of, I wouldn't say I struck gold, but I struck silver or something. Like a 1,000 people read it. Wow. Which, you know, for your third day, not knowing what you're doing, it was it was a big jump.
1: Nice. Did you know what happened? Did you know why you got a 1,000 visitors?
0: I got kind of lucky. The SEO kind of clicked. It was a weird question. And uh, it, it was something that made people want to click on. And, and people Googled it a little bit. So...
1: And do you remember what it was?
0: Yeah, it was it was something like, is it time to change the living room or something like that? I forget exactly. But the whole idea was like, everyone in America at least has their living room focused on the TV. And then we just all sit around and stare at the TV. And I'm like, this is dumb you know (laughs) every day everywhere i go we just we just sit around this tv and watch stuff that we hate you know yeah
1: yeah exactly and get brainwashed by the media and yeah yeah
0: Yeah. so i started talking about like well every once in a while i go to somebody's house and you know you walk in their living room and you look around if there's no tv there it's jarring it's like do you guys not watch tv you know it, it was such a weird thought but it's kind of interesting it's like oh we just you know we do sometimes there's tv downstairs but we tend to just play games we read books we do a lot of stuff we're busy and i'm like oh i never really thought about that that's that's a different way to live and it's it's a much more interesting way to live so the article was okay but the question was what was interesting i think and it got people thinking and the whole idea was like maybe tv's fine but it shouldn't be the default
1: cool okay so that that article really you know you struck well at least silver probably gold And, (laughs) and so what happened then
0: I kept writing. I just kept writing stuff. I did a couple things right. One was I found something that worked. So I kind of had a template. I'm like, all right, if I want more traffic, there's something about this article that's hitting a nerve. And it took me a couple of months or so to figure it out. But I I kept implementing parts of it and putting it into other articles. And then eventually I kind of figured out a formula that would kind of work. There's no perfect formula either. I don't know. It's just sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. But
1: It's more like reshuffling your life.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the other thing that worked was I was consistent. I was writing about once a week, sometimes twice if I got bored and had a little time on my hand, but people came to expect something new on the site and SEO, the search engine optimization, that stuff likes when a website writes consistently. And I was researching a ton into this stuff. I was watch videos. I was reading, like, hey, how do you grow your blog and all these different things. I was constantly reading stuff. Some of it good, some of it bad. <laughs> but, you know, you do that for a year, you start getting good at it. The problem was I had kind of painted myself into a corner with the website where I felt like I had to write about certain things. And at the time, I liked it. But then as like, I went on, I, I didn't feel feel like the site represented my actual thoughts anymore. It felt really, I don't know, vanilla. It was just kind of boring. I wasn't trying to be offensive. I wasn't really challenging anything interesting. So it felt like the it stagnated and I was stagnating. Like I, I had nothing else left to do. So <laughs> I've only mentioned this a couple of times, but it is true. I wanted an alt to create the content that was more aggressive the stuff that wouldn't work for the blog anything that i thought was too um offensive or challenging or just whatever didn't fit and i wanted something that had a decent name so i actually put some thought into it and i came up with path to manliness and it became my my little outlet where i could say things that were you know not normal stuff like you know like you, you need to be i would say all sorts of strange stuff i would tell people that church is a bad place to meet girls and people will get offended by that. Like, oh, church is a great place to meet girls. I'm like, no, these these are the girls that have already run out of guys. So now they're turning to God. So <laughs> 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 I would say stuff that would be offensive, and but it was true. And I challenged a lot of ideas, you know, and it, it's funny because I wrote something the other day There was some GQ article or something saying, like, why men should watch porn. I'm like, this is how I challenge the mainstream now, telling guys not to watch porn. Like, it's kind of strange how it's come all the way around. But for a while there, it was... It used to be, like, semi-red pill stuff, where it's like, all right, here's some harsh truths you're not ready for. Stop being so damn nice to girls, because they want someone that can protect them. You need to be kind to girls, but you don't want to be this little pushover, because, one, it's boring, and two... They're hardwired to look for someone that can support them. And they want someone that's strong enough to stand up for themselves. And if you never say no to people, if you never you know, challenge somebody who's getting too in your face or in her face, they're not going to feel protected. So I think people get hung up on that one. Like, oh, don't you need to be nice? Can't you also be nice? Like, you can be kind, but there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Uh, interesting enough, the path to manliness thing started to... Surpassed my original Twitter handle and my original blog, so
1: <laughs> you struck gold again, or even more.
0: Yeah, well, I, I took all of my mistakes and I fixed them, and I would refined it over the years. So
1: exactly, and so you started the blog basically again with to Elias, yeah. and then you transitioned to Twitter.
0: I can't remember if I did them at the same time. It was very close. I think I made the Twitter account, and then maybe a week later, I made the blog. I probably bought the the domain the same day because. Typically when I find a good idea I, I buy the domain name for it. I have this like irrational fear of coming up with an idea and then somebody else sees the idea and steals it right away. Yeah. yeah. So for ten or twenty bucks, I don't mind buying a domain name, even if it means it expires in a year.
1: <laughs> cool. And but then did you also start writing like the same week and also start tweeting the same week? Or did you Yeah.
0: Do? Yeah, this is where it got kind of tricky because I was writing on both of them. So it worked for a while because I would um I would be writing the similar kind of ideas. And then I would have some thought. I'm like, oh, that's that one's not going to fly. It's too controversial. We'll put that on Path to Maleness. And then I don't even remember the first few articles on Path to Maleness. They were fine. But I struck gold again when I found... I saw Nate Schmidt. He had an interesting thread up at, at the time. I don't remember it anymore. It was something... It was like 30-something to whatever. And it was all about copywriting or drop shipping, something like that. And I thought, I like the thread. I like the way it flowed. I like the list. I knew the second I saw the first tweet, what the rest of the thread was going to entail. And I was like, I'm going to make a thread like that. And that's going to be my pin tweet. And This is where I kind of struck gold again. Cause for a while there I would like write stuff on the computer. And then this time, instead of doing that, I got a notebook out. And I wrote 20 Ways to Whatever. And I kind of sat there and thought, I'm like, all right, what's this going to be? And then it became, I switched the title around a little bit. It became 20 Ways to Reclaim Your Manhood. I just started jotting stuff down. I'm like, all right, what are the things that a man needs to do where they realize their life's not going where they want to go? They want to fix it. They just, they need a, a guide. I'm like, all right, well, number one, hit the gym. That's easy. So it always starts at the gym. And then number two, I think I made... I made a whole bunch of lists. And I, I remember I made it like in a different order because it didn't flow right. Because the ideas just kind of kept coming to me. I'm like, all right, dressing better. Stop gossiping. Start writing. And I listed out all these things. And then I had it all in front of me on this notebook. And I just looked at it. And I'm like, all right, hit the gyms number one. That's easy. And I put a one next to it. And I looked through and I kind of put it all in order. And the neat thing was, it's such a weird thing to explain. It's hard to understand unless you've done this. But there's a big difference between writing on paper and writing on a computer. It just it comes out better, and I'm not really sure why that is. And that was when I realized that the best writing was always going to come that way. And I think part of the reason is I tend to write more as an outline. You know, I'll write an idea, I'll write three little solutions for it or something, and then I'll I'll tackle each solution and write it all out, and then I'll start writing on the computer, and it's the formula's there, I know how to do it, it's much more organized and it flows better, you know. And I still do some stream of conscious stuff writing. Jesus last week, my last article I wrote was like just stream of conscious. So (laughs) I thought we'd get to this sooner actually. So Trump got banned off of Twitter. Right. And, and instead of reacting like a lot of people did, I kind of just sat on it and thought about it.
1: You wrote about about that guy that automatically posted a reply uh, yeah. to Trump's account, and now he doesn't know what to do.
0: Yeah, so there, <laughs> my there life's a, over. There was a guy who um, seemingly doesn't like Trump. I assume by the tone of his <laughs> words, but he created some bot or something that would automatically reply random like stuff, bashing Trump to every single one of his tweets. And then people would go to his profile and he was selling like anti-merch or anti-Trump merch. (gasps) And and I'm sure this guy voted against Trump, but by getting rid of Trump, he he lost his revenue stream. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's
1: so funny (laughs) yeah so
0: so yeah so I, i wrote this article and this one turned out to be kind of stream of conscience where it was just all right i'm kind of frustrated and uh it was something i was really careful to write though because i don't everyone probably assumes the way i feel about this stuff but like don't care that much about politics like i definitely lean a certain way with each election like most people do but i'm not always on the same side but this alarmed me and it wasn't about deplatforming the opposition it was just the censorship is a dangerous precedent and yeah. you know when you become a content creator online and you start tweeting and you start looking at all the analytics you kind of see some interesting stuff so over the last week or so i think i lost around 800 followers which I'm not worried about, it's kind of not a big deal when you have 46,000, but at the same time, it's Normally like, you go up. Yes. I go up about 50 to a hundred followers a day, pretty consistently. And then I lost 800 plus the 50 a day that I usually gain. So really there's over a thousand people that got banned just from my following. And my following is not necessarily catered to politicians or political people. So this is kind of a scary thing, you know, and uh, and other people are starting to realize this too, even people that are happy that Trump's gone. They're like, wait a minute, if we can ban the president of the United States and the public kind of just accepts this, what about me? Can I get banned too? You know, so I wrote this article all about that and uh, it was just kind of stream of conscious, but then it got picked up by citizenfreepress.com, which you probably don't. I don't know if you know who they are or not. There's some kind of a political site and they just kind of list a whole bunch of articles, but. I remember like sitting down, hanging out with my kid and I got an alert on my phone. I had like thousands and thousands of hits in the day. And I'm like, oh boy, uh, what happened? <laughs> this, this, this might not be good. <laughs> Cause, cause sometimes when you write in in the manosphere, some people get offended by it. I'm like, God, am I on like some some giant blog or some anti-man thing? Because that was my first thought, because usually that's how it goes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so it's just you never know what's going to hit and what's not.
1: Cool, and so start writing. Uh, but but you start at zero followers, just as everybody else. You know, how did you grow your account? How did that work?
0: I think a lot of people know the whole AIDA thing: attention, interest, desire, action. What's that movie? Is that Glengarry Gary Glenn Ross, where they talk about that? Put the cookie or the coffee down. <laughs> it it works for Twitter. It's like sales. It's like anything. You got to get your attention first. And that's pretty much all you got to do to grow a Twitter account. Really, if you can just do that, you'll start growing and then you got to get the interest. So how do you get someone's attention? turns out writing controversial stuff is pretty good. So every once in a while, I'll even write something. I'll message some people that I talk to online. I go, Hey, watch this tweet. I'm going to mess with people. And I'll just say something that I know that's going to rub people the wrong way. I know it's going to be something that people are going to backlash against because you don't have room in Twitter for nuance. Mm -hmm. And, I think people that that like my content understand that because they listen to me speak on a podcast and, they, and it's kind of a different tone than my tweet. They read my stuff and it's again, you always need to do this. Except this is the reason why you wouldn't, and here's why it's okay. You know, you know stuff like you should probably never date a single mom. You can say something like that and people will lose their minds. What do you mean never? What do you mean they should never date a single mom? Like so, I'm in mistake and I'm just screwed forever. I'm like, oh maybe, and I'll just you know kind of. Harass him a little bit. I'm like, then I go on the website and I'll write something like, "All right, you should never, but and here's like reasons why you might want to do that. Here's reasons why it's okay. You know, for one, if you're a single dad, that's perfectly fine, right? It's probably probably the standard, but there's no room for nuance on a tweet. So you send something aggressive, send something controversial, and then. What happens is people start sharing your message for them. Yeah. Can you believe this? Tell all your friends. And then they start quote tweeting you and sending more traffic to you. And then Twitter's like, Oh, people really like this guy. <laughs> and then there's people that all they do is they they just try to get the attention and they don't really have a plan. Every once in a while I'll see somebody on Twitter that has like a hundred thousand followers and they don't even have a link to a website. I'm like, no. you don't have to make a website if you don't want to. That's fine. I get it. It's not the easiest thing in the world. Find an offer, find somebody something in an affiliate link put it up there you might make some money just quit wasting your time on this right
1: exactly or just get a uh, you know sign up form for an email newsletter
0: or something like that yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly so you know back to trump being banned that's been my big fear this whole year and it's actually something i've worked on for a while i had this Big fear of losing my Twitter account, or I did. I'm, I'm not as worried about it anymore. But for a long time, I think I sent around 50% of my traffic to my website from Twitter. And like I realized that was not sustainable in the long run because people get banned all the time. You know, big people. Alex Jones got banned, which people were like, all right, whatever. That guy's crazy. All right. But what about Milo Yiannopoulos? That, this is a gay Jewish guy that, yeah, he's controversial. He talks about politics. Okay. Well, we let him go, too. Then you start seeing other people. AJA Cortez, he got suspended for I think like a week or so, and he ended up getting his account back. You know, there's a lot of people that are like not necessarily that controversial that they can get banned. So I started working on other things. And one of the big ones was, yeah, building that email list. And uh, I did not realize how difficult building an email list is. Like, it's not something you just send, like, oh, I got 30,000 people, I assume. I'll get a thousand of them in the first couple of days. Now it's like you get like 30 <laughs> and, and then you just, you build every day and every day and the slow it slowly starts to build, but it takes a while. But uh, you learn, you learn a lot writing an email.
1: You do. I want to go back to your Twitter account a, a little bit more. So you start with zero followers, but you know, on the one hand, yeah, you can tweet controversial stuff and that works. But if you have zero followers or a really low amount of followers, that still doesn't give you a lot of traction. How did you get your first couple of hundred to a thousand followers? How did that go?
0: My first day, I sent a few tweets. I'd been writing for a long time, so I had this whole notebook to like kind of go through and read stuff. So I had a lot of content to work through, which a lot of the really successful accounts on here, they quietly have their notebook of stuff, so they've, they've got their information to pull from. I wrote a few things that were good, and then I would go through the, the feed, and uh, I didn't realize this was like a thing to do at the time. I was just doing it, but I would reply to stuff. I would see people that would say something, and um, for a while, I would just like harass people sometimes. Like, I would intentionally, like, see somebody saying something like, um, it's okay, girls should be proud of being or something like that. And I would say, like, you're going to regret this when you get older. It's is stupid. And the high-quality men aren't going to want you because of this. No. I would go after people. And I, I was being kind of sincere, but I was also trying to egg them on so they would, like, reply to me. And then F- all their followers you. would see me, and it worked. <laughs> I probably gained, like, 20 or 30 people just from doing that in, like, the first few hours. Again, I got lucky. I sent out I sent out this really dumb tweet. I got a screenshot of it, but it's since deleted because it's it's probably problematic or whatever. And again, this is in 2018, so it sounds dated, but I took a picture of Megan Kelly from Fox News, you know, the blonde reporter or whatever she is, journalist, I guess they call her, maybe. And it wasn't her most flattering picture. And then I took the girl that replaced her, Tommy Lauren, I think that's how you say her name. And If you look at them together, it's like, oh, my God, they traded in the older girl that's like kind of hitting the wall or whatever for the younger version of her because they look a lot alike. They're both young, skinny, blonde, and they both worked for Fox News. So they they replaced Megyn Kelly (laughs) and put in Tommy Lauren. So I said Tommy Lauren replacing Megyn Kelly is just proof that men want a young, attractive girl who's in shape that smiles more. And I knew that last line, especially, I don't know what it is, but girls do not like being told to smile more, yeah. but I knew that was going to mess with people. So I, I sent that out and, um, that one went like mildly viral. I don't know what the term for it is. Like, I never want to get like a hundred thousand retweets. I try not to actively, but it had like a thousand likes and like, I don't know, three or 400 retweets on day one on my brand new account. And, uh, I knew it was going to work for a couple of reasons. One, that comparison thing is always big. And two, this is like a little bit of an engagement hack that for some reason people don't notice. You put a picture on a tweet and people click on it, that counts as engagement. And people always click on the girl. They always click on the girl. So that tweet was the first tweet where I had to like mute my phone. Because I did one of those just, uh, you know, I grabbed my phone, I tweeted it out, and I just dropped it. and went about my day. And uh, I was either going to the grocery store or the gym or something. I remember driving and like my music kept getting interrupted by the dinging on Twitter. I'm like, what is going on? But I was driving, so I couldn't really look. And then finally, I get there and I'm like, this kind of got popular. And that got me like my first 150 followers just on the first day. From then on, you can build. You got to have like a decent chunk. But yeah, you, I kind of didn't answer your question just because of the way it worked for me. But the way to get. From zero to 100 is probably the hardest part of Twitter. So one, see if you know people in real life. If you're okay with them reading your stuff, I think that's a great way to get people to follow you. They probably won't, though. But you might get some. And then look around for other people that you find interesting and start following them. If you're lucky, some of them are the kind of people that might follow you back. You got to have your profile optimized, though. If, if you still got the standard egg, that's a no-go. In fact, a lot of people, me included, I mute people automatically through the Twitter settings that they have the standard profile. So if they don't change their profile picture, they're muted. If they don't confirm their email, they're muted. Those are huge right there. And then you gotta have you gotta have a decent profile picture either of yourself. You could do a picture of your brand like I do, but I think you have to have something something good. So the picture of yourself works fine. Write up a good bio explaining what you can do for other people. Don't say, hey, I'm a Bears fan. I went to college here. Like, no one cares. They don't care about that stuff. You got to write, you know, on path to manliness. I help people become better men. I've got something in there. It's like uh, when the barbarians are at the gate, suddenly masculinity is not so toxic. You know, it's, it's interesting, kind of explains what I believe in and people get that. Yeah. Yeah. And then from then on, you're going to have to play the reply game for a little while. So I tell guys to keep tweeting though, like you have an audience because the reply game works to get people... That's the attention part. It brings them to your account. And if you never tweet, they're not going to follow you. There's no reason to. You got to send out a few tweets, even though no one's going to read them. They'll read them later. And then get people's attention by replying to other tweets that are doing well. And a lot of guys, they look at this as such a weird approach. They will kind of do it in this weird like robotic chore where they'll see somebody tweet something. And they just kind of reward it goofy. And it's like the same thing. And it's not creative. People used to use Twitter to like interact where somebody would say something. He's like, Oh, that's interesting. Here's how I feel about it. And they would like share their own thoughts about it instead of just like acting like they're on their own feed. Somebody will say something like, Oh, if you hit the gym, it'll completely change your life. And then somebody will reply to it underneath it. They'll say, "Gym life is the best way to completely change your world. And it's like, imagine somebody on the street said this. And then that was your reply to them. Like, that's not how people talk. It's just awkward.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Good point. Yeah, it happens a lot.
0: Yeah, it happens a ton. And it kind of works. Like I get it, but it's better if you can make it sound more like a human interaction.
1: And so you you saw traction with your controversial stuff. Grew your account in 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 one day to like 150 followers. How did you go to ten thousand followers? And when did you decide, hey, I'm also gonna
0: write courses or help people with workouts
1: and make money through Gumroad?
0: So getting up to a thousand and then ten thousand. A thousand wasn't so hard. I would write every day. Like I was on there every single day tweeting at least something. I mean, it takes no time. It's easy to do. I would write online, which really helped because I would write out this big, long blog, thousand words or whatever. And then I could take that content and um, I could chop it up. Right. So I could read through it and I'm like, oh, that's that's good. I'll tweet that. And I would send that out. And then the other thing I do, I think a lot of people don't realize how useful this is. I would be writing a blog post, and then I would, I would say something, and I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't like the way that sounds. And then I would just copy it and put in a tweet and send it out with, you know, no context. I would just send it out alone. And if it did well, and I was like, okay, I'm just being hard on myself. I'm going to leave that in there. And if it didn't do well, I'd either rewrite it or just completely cut it out. Twitter's really useful for critical feedback. It's free information, you know.
1: You kept the tweet live for like 10 minutes. And if it didn't do anything, you just delete it again? Or what did you? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Sometimes I would do it twice. So like I would reword it and then tweet it again a second time differently. Yeah, like you said. So that helped me write write better stuff. And then the other thing that's good for is like gauging interest. So sometimes I write for myself. And I I don't care if people are going to click the article. I just want to write some things. I need to get this thought out. But other times I'll write something and then I get a huge response from this tweet. And I'm like, oh, well. That's struck a nerve. That'll probably make for a good blog post. So I would write out these tweets, and it would kind of help me write better because it was instant feedback. And that was the hardest part of writing for a while because there was times where I was writing something and I'm like, I don't know if this is any good. I don't know if I'm wasting my time. So I kind of created this formula where I would write out these tweets. I had these ideas, and I'd pick the good ones, and then I would turn it into an email. And I'd email a few times throughout the week. Then I would take my most popular email based on the click rate or open rate, and I would turn that into a blog post. I don't always do that, but it's it's a great time-saving technique, because otherwise, you're going to write probably 80% of your blog posts for people that just don't want to read it. And the other advantage of having a big Twitter account is you get a lot of people DMing you stuff, and like it really tells you what people want to read, because they, they ask you these questions like, hey, I'm having trouble with this, I'm having trouble with that, and well, the short answer is most people want a relationship with uh, girl questions answered.
1: Interesting. And so, and when did you transition to you know the money making part? You know, the first was just you know getting people to read your stuff, getting people to follow you.
0: Yeah, that was that was interesting. So I don't remember when I started. I want to say I was over ten thousand followers. I'm pretty sure I was. And I was seeing these people doing these Gumroad things, and I didn't get it at first. I remember seeing a lot of these when I was younger, not necessarily Gumroad, but you know I'd be reading somebody's Blog, and then like they'd have a book or whatever. And I'm like, oh, he's just got some stupid book for people to just to con them out of their money. And I had this like weird negative like way of looking at it for some reason. I thought, like, you know what? I don't know what the big deal is. I don't know what this is all about. So I, I bought a couple. And uh, pretty early on, I bought a Twitter guide by I think it was Western Mastery. And uh, it's a good guide. It's a little old, but it had a lot of good advice and it helped me. Figure out the game. It kind of taught me like certain things that worked, certain things that didn't. And I was like, "Huh." I always thought these things were kind of scams. I thought they would just be like some guy that doesn't know how to write. But this is good advice. So then I bought another one, and then I started getting a little salty. I was like, "These guys are making all this money off these gumroad things." And I I couldn't believe it. I'm like, "How much money are they really making?" And I'm like, "This is dumb. Why am I getting upset about it?" And um, I started working on this Twitter guide. I was like, "All right, well." I like this guide, but I thought that maybe some things have changed since he wrote it so I could write something new. You know, a lot of things changed, like when Trump came to Twitter, a bigger audience came here and then the 280 character made the game a lot different. So Twitter went from being this thing where you just sent links to your articles to being like you can write out full flesh thoughts. So I tried and put together this guide and <laughs> I don't sell it anymore because I, I hated it. Because after a year, you look at it and it's like, this is so wrong here. I could have fixed this better. I could have done this better. And, you know, like nobody really complains about it, but you do. So then I, I wrote a second guide that replaced it called Tweet for Cash. And uh, I'm pretty good at writing books. I'm not great at promoting them. So I probably don't make as much money as other people do. But I was shocked at how much money starts rolling in. And it's it's definitely hit or miss where some stuff works, some stuff doesn't. And then some days you can sell a bunch, some days you can't. But it's a neat way to... To kind of, I don't know, earn enough money to make sure that it's worth your time to be on here, right? Because otherwise you're just wasting time if you're not making some money on Twitter. Oh,
1: exactly. And how did you transition to your group, you know? You, you started selling the product and then now you have a, uh, a gladiator yeah, tribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one of the big things I've been railing about is that men don't have like a place to be men. There's no brotherhood anymore and a lot of people feel lost. And... I'm kind of lucky in that my core group of friends that I grew up with are all, for the most part, manly men. They're mostly in good shape still, and they all make decent money, like shockingly good money in a couple instances. So I've got this good network of guys, and I really like these guys. It's a good group, but they don't talk about taking ashwagandha. They don't talk about how vitamin D might help you against covid they don't talk about how to grow an online business or any of this stuff. So I felt like I didn't have like the right group of friends And I, I have no problem meeting guys in the real world. I meet people all the time, but for most of my twenties, I was constantly meeting guys at bars, guys that wanted to drink, guys that want to watch football, guys that want to play fantasy football. And I'm like, I wanted more Spartan tribe was my solution to this. Like, Hey, look all of your friends, the deadbeats, the guys that are fat, they're talking about sports They're upset about politics. Do you want to talk about more interesting things? Do you want a better resource for if you have the question about how do I do this? How do I, you know, do this is your network of and the neat thing about writing online is instead of having to go out and find these people, they find you because they're attracted to your ideas to begin with.
1: How did you um, get them on board? So they came to you, but they still had to make the purchase. That's the
0: hard part, right? So you can't you can't sell a guide and have like one person join. Right. So the first thing I did was I wrote out an email talking about my idea and nobody believes the idea at first. Every time you do something like this, people are, they're always questioning it. So I wrote this idea. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to start a group chat for men that are looking for something better. And I I explained like, Hey, you want a group of more like-minded men, highly motivated men, guys that are actually busting their ass, like getting in shape, doing all this stuff. Right. Here's your chance. And for today only, I'm going to let people join for free. And I set out this link on the email and I think I capped it. I don't know what I capped it at. It might've been a hundred and it actually filled out pretty quickly. So we had a group and then that was kind of my testing ground. I'm like, all right, let's see how this actually works. Let's see how these people talk. And then with anything, when you, when you let there be no barrier to entry when it's free, there's always some people that just don't work out for whatever reason. So and that was my plan. I didn't mind that. I just wanted to have like a decent core group at first. So I let it be free for a while. And while I was trying to build like a more structured approach, I just kind of let people talk. I would talk to them, we'd interact. And I would just go through the list every once in a while. I'm like, all right, this person joined, he hasn't been on in over a month, deleted. And I would just went through and deleted a few people that way. You know, cause those are guys like, they'll, they'll click anything if it's free, but they're not really interested. And then there was a couple other troublemakers, you know, guys that are a little too trollish, aggressive, just harassing people. Like, all right, you guys aren't a good fit. You're out. Another guy was like constantly asking for advice, never implemented a single thing that was ever given to him. I'm like, all right, this guy's wasting everyone's time every single day. Either he just wants attention, or he's trying to actually like set. Yep, time to go. Doesn't matter. So got rid of him. And uh, you know, we had a decent group then, and it, it got down lower. I think it was like more like 60 people by then. So then I relaunched it. I'm like, all right, Hey, I've got this group. This thing works. We've got a group of guys. We can all talk like men. No one's harassing each other. No one's afraid of getting canceled. You can be anonymous in there if you want to even. And we're going to start a more structured process now. So like this month was dry January. We're together for 30 days. We're not drinking. You know, this, it's not, mandatory there's a few guys and they're like ah you know i don't really have a drinking problem i just drink a glass of whiskey every once in a while it's like all right that's fine but the challenge is there if you want it you know and then next month we're gonna do a new challenge i'm not sure what it's gonna be yet. i've gone back and forth either it's gonna be writing a page a day or doing like hundred push-ups a day so i'm not sure which one i want to do every month it's gonna be something different and it's gonna be a way for men to challenge each other to have their brotherhood and, and like the important thing is there's accountability you know hey have you guys been doing this? Have you done this day? Have you guys fallen off the wagon? Have you been drinking? And if you did, that's okay. And then the neat thing will be like at the end of the month, you can kind of reflect on this. Like, what did you learn from all of this? You know, did you see anything interesting that happened when you don't drink? I don't drink too much, but there's definitely a period from like usually fall till around now where I start drinking a little bit more. And then by, Christmas, like I'm starting to put on a little bit extra weight, and I'm noticing it's become like a little bit of a go to habit. So this month, I've lost like nine pounds from not drinking. But especially when you're in your 30s, that drinking can throw your whole day off the next day. Even if you're not hungover, like you're not going to wake up and go running. So if you don't drink, you wake up the next day way more motivated to work out.
1: What are the key uh, things to getting back uh, in shape as a guy, you know, both physically and mentally?
0: Yeah. A lot of it's mindset. Sometimes people make fun of my books because it's like, I just, this is a lot of just like mindset talk. I'm like, I know, but like, you gotta get that mindset right first. If you don't look at your life the right way, you're not motivated. You gotta wake up and think of yourself as a warrior. And it's like, oh, we're not actually warriors. You know, real warriors are over there. I'm like, I know, I know. I know. They're the real warriors. Okay. I'm not stealing valor or anything like that. I'm not in the Marines. My point is just attack the day. You need to treat it like you're at war because you are, you're at war with yourself. And there's a lot of stuff out there that's trying to sabotage you. And I think people downplay this, but if you turn on the TV, you know, and you watch some sitcom, the guy is always this like goofy, inept guy and the wife does everything. And it's like the psychological warfare where it's making men feel like they're not supposed to be strong and assertive. There's the Gillette commercial that people made fun of where they're like bashing Oh, boys will be boys and harassing masculinity. But, you know, the whole I don't like to use this term too much, but the whole idea of toxic masculinity gets blamed on the wrong people. It's not the strong chads that are working out all the time that are really toxically masculine. It's the weak little pencil neck guys that feel like they're not strong enough and they have to lash out against other things. Those are the guys that are actually toxic. They're the guys that will join a feminist group just because it gets them around women. They act like they're sensitive, but really they're just trying to get laid. The strong Chad guy is like, listen, I know what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get stronger, all right? And the girls just kind of come. You don't have to worry so much about it. They don't need an infiltrated group and fake emotions to meet a girl. That's a good point. What else? Getting in shape is huge. It changes everything in your life. And then the writing's big because it gets you more organized. You know, every day... I started doing this habit a while ago where i would write down three things i did during the day and the power of that is let's say you spend all day playing world of warcraft and you're eating cheetos and drinking mountain dew or whatever which i don't know if anybody does those things anymore because i don't really play games as much so anyway at the end of the day you look out in your journal and you write okay played world of warcraft and i ate cheetos drank mountain dew okay that's fine and then if you do it again the next day You write it down like, all right, I played World of Warcraft. Now all of a sudden you look through your journal like, oh, this is is a sad story. All right, tomorrow I'm going to go for a walk. (laughs) And it it motivates you because it holds you accountable for what your actions are. And it's like, all right, throughout the day you start thinking like, what am I going to do that's actually interesting? What am I going to do that's actually moving me forward? How do I make sure I'm on the right path? You know, so people tell me all the time like I don't know how to start writing. I don't want to do. I'm like listen, I'm not asking you to write a short story. I'm not going to grade it. I don't even care about your grammar or your spelling. Write down 3 things. What did you do today? How did it make you feel? And the neat thing is most people won't write down 3 things. They'll write down something and then they'll start writing about that and like, oh, I went to the gym today. Saw a cute girl. She smiled. That was nice. I should go to the gym more often. And they'll, they'll kind of start like expanding their ideas more. It just starts flowing once you start
1: Hmm, cool interesting all right man ryan thank you very much for this talk i uh, had a great time where can people find you
0: path to manliness anywhere so i I try to keep it standard everywhere so path manliness.com i am path to manliness on twitter and i don't have an easy way to get to this yet if you subscribe to my emails there's a link to it and then occasionally i'll tweet out a link to it but i'm starting to promote my telegram channel so i have the spartan tribe which is that one is a premium, but there's also a free Telegram channel, which I'm tre- tweeting, treating <laughs> like my Twitter feed. And um, with the censorship going on, I'm starting to use Telegram a little bit more. So it's just another interesting place to go. Check it out. We'll see if it lasts. I don't know, but it's fun for now.
1: Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks, Anik. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next show. If you enjoyed this one, please leave us an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter with your favorite part of this episode. See you again next week.